another amazing episode of Outside the Studio. I am your host, Tessa Tovar. I am so honored today to introduce you to Liv. She is the founder of Liberate Studio, which is a mental fitness studio, which is I don't know if I've ever come across a mental fitness studio, so I'm super excited to dive into what that means um, and you know how we apply it to our lives. She is originally from Syracuse, New York, but I believe is based in LA, West Coast currently. Um, she loves to go hiking. Uh, she is um, very outdoorsy, has a background in physical fitness. Um, and better for you startups. I'm not sure what that is. So I might ask you about that first, Liv. And then also a certified meditation and mindfulness teacher has a registered yoga teacher training, a 200 hour teacher training. And she uses all of these modalities, all of this background to bring you liberate studio and create a mind body connection. Um, and yeah, so Liv, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So um, before we dive into all of this stuff, because I just mentioned um, Better For You Startups, can you tell me what that is? I'm just curious. Yeah. So it's, if you think of, you know, the brands in Whole Foods or the brands that you see Facebook ads for that are like, we're better for you than anything else out there. They're those brands. So I worked at a CPG, consumer packaged goods, um, baking mix company, and we used all organic ingredients. We didn't put any, you know, chemicals. We used biodynamic sugar. So it was better for you baking mix. And then I worked at a um, natural self-care company and we had tampons with organic cotton and we had skincare that was made without chemicals. So that's self-care products that are better for you because of the ingredients that go into them. And that was really the theme across all the brands I was working for was I believed in the quality of them and kind of got, you know, the expertise of marketing that like better for you stance. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's awesome. Is that like a yeah. label that you would look for on a package better for you? Or is it just... Mm-hmm. No, it's more so language that you would just hear brands using. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. I learned something new. Yeah. (laughs) So tell me about Liberate Studio. You're the CEO and founder. Um, How did this come about? Where did this, this start for you? It, you know, I have to attribute some of it to one of the better for you startups that I worked at. Um, I was employee number one and I was just incredibly stressed out by the amount of work I was doing and, and life itself. It was my first job out of school and I didn't have the mental strength to be able to deal with the stress and the anxiety and the loneliness that comes of working as employee number one at a company or working hard at any company and being in a new city without a huge community. There was just so much change and pressure that maybe was partially self-imposed and I didn't feel good mentally. I felt really strong physically. I'd always felt strong physically. I've always really prioritized physical fitness. And when I was working at this company, I still made time to go to the gym. I made time to go to those boutique physical fitness studios like SoulCycle or Pilates and was really taking care of myself in that way. But I just was at a total loss for my mind. And I had done therapy before and I used apps like headspace and calm to meditate, which I really enjoyed, but it wasn't giving me that same 
you know, pleasure and energy that I got from a dynamic physical fitness workout at a boxing studio. And I, I didn't want to feel like isolated or ashamed of working on my mind. I wanted to feel like it was the cool thing to do on a Saturday morning. And then you go grab a coffee with your friend the same way you did at soul cycle. So that experience of if trying to take care of my mind and not really knowing how to do it ultimately inspired me to say, all right, let's take what I love about the meditation apps. Let's take what I love about the physical fitness studios and create an entirely new category of it for mental fitness, which like you said, you've never heard of a mental fitness studio before because we're the first one. There are hundreds of thousands of boutique physical fitness studios in the U S alone. And there is one mental fitness studio. And my goal is for health to be multidimensional. I'm not saying don't work on your physical fitness. I'm saying work on both. And for 20 X years, I only worked on physical fitness and it really showed. Mm, Yeah. I love that. Wow. What a cool idea. So what would it like, walk me through walking through the doors of liberate studio. What is that experience like from beginning to end? I mean, I imagine you offer classes, um, like meditation style classes, but I know you blend your modalities and your background with movement and teaching yoga. So what is that? What does a, a day at Liberate Studios look like? Yeah, our, our studio is virtual. So it's virtual doors that you walk through. Our classes are hosted on Zoom right now. We do do some in-person classes in LA, but we offer single modality meditation and our meditations all start with the story and and follow a really unique method. And what really sets us apart is our liberate method. So most of our classes are based on this multi-modality method where we start with an intention setting. We get into mindful movement, which is either gentle stretching or light sun salutation yoga, just depending on what class you join. And then we journal. We're the only fitness studio that journals that uses journaling as an exercise. It's really unique guided experience. And then we hold space for conversation and connection to reflect a little bit more on everything you've just journaled and also share anything that comes up with each other in the class. And then we ground the entire practice with a meditation. So it's a way to let all of the good stuff you just did really sink into your being. And part of the reason this is so effective is because there's a lot of people who say, you know, meditation is not for me. I can't sit still. I am so uncomfortable with the process. Like it's a no. And I get that. And there's also, you know, you're going to do a meditation app that doesn't hold you accountable or it's not very engaging, or you're going to go to a meditation class. If you're in LA, that's 45 minutes long, which most people don't want to sit for that long. And with our process, we start with movement. So you're connecting your mind and body and breath. And then we begin to slow down with journaling, which is still a pretty active practice so that by the time you get to the stillness that comes with meditation, you are completely teed up to bask in it. It's like Shavasana at the end of yoga, how you crave it because you worked so hard to get there. And it's the same thing with our method. So we find that people who aren't meditators really love the practice. So do people who are meditators because it makes the the practice and the stillness that much more attainable is the feedback that we get. And that's really the point of the multimodality practice. I love that. I want to do a class. I love journaling. It's some, so I just led a retreat in Mexico last, uh, this May. And I always, always advocate for people to bring their journals into class because that, you know, you come out of Shavasana, there's maybe a guided meditation at the end of class. It's the prime time for journaling, right? 
So what I found, and maybe you can help me with this, is that people, so I often offer a prompt, you know, what, what came up during practice? What was your intention today? Um, what did you learn about yourself? And maybe 50% of the class dutifully opens their journal and like, blah, 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 the words just flow out. But similar to, um, you know, the, the mindset of I can't meditate, I can't sit still and I can't make my mind stop thinking. I've been noticing that there's this resistance to journaling that I don't have anything to say. I don't know where to start. I don't even with a prompt. Do you encounter that? And how do you deal with it? We do. It's, it's so funny because, you know, for people like us who are, you know, maybe leaders in the space in our own form, I'm like meditation. So, you know, I can sit still most of the time. I definitely have my days where I can't, or like, you know, I want to open my journal and go to town, but not everybody feels like that for sure. So we do our best to make our journals a really guided interactive experience. We're not saying open your journal and write about what scares you. We're saying, this is the goal of the exercise. This is why it matters. Now for this first part, think of two to three things that you're grateful for. Let it go. We give examples for everything. We always lead with our own experiences. And then the next part is, all right, now think about why you're grateful for these things. You're grateful for your mom. You're grateful for your apartment. Why? Is it because it makes you feel comfortable? Is it because it gives you a sense of purpose? Elaborate and explore that. And we check in again and we say, okay, now that we know what we're grateful for and why we're grateful for it, so what? Like, what's the point of this exercise? What can we get out of this? And we'll ask everyone to think of an action that they can take to show appreciation for this part of your life that makes you feel really good and happy. So if it's your apartment, maybe you can spend the next 15 minutes after class cleaning it. (laughs) If it's your mom, maybe you can send her a super sweet card or a text or a Starbucks gift card. Like there are so many small actions that we can take. And we don't, we don't say, you know, you have to do all these immediately to create a feeling of overwhelm. We say, star the one that you're most excited about and try to do it this week. And, you know, and most of them are really manageable. Like we want the tasks, not tasks, but we want the goals to feel exciting and empowering. We don't want it to feel like another to-do list. So we always want to make it like really digestible takeaways versus, you know, there are definitely people who have total breakthroughs in our classes and we love that, but it's progress. It's, you know, progressive work. It's, not meant to totally change your mind in one session, but the more you do it, the more those people who really weren't down to journal and had no idea what to say the first two times are like, Oh my gosh, I'm ready. I'm into this. Like I have so many thoughts and it's a muscle. So the more you exercise it, the more naturally it comes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I love that. And do you, um, I'm curious about your own daily rituals, habits, and behaviors. You know, you're, you're, you've created this based on probably a practice that you do in your own daily life, does that hold, do you hold space for that on a daily basis? What does your ritual look like? I meditate every single day. I have not, not meditated in three years, I think. Um, I even, you know, no matter what the length of time it is, it could be 30 minutes, it could be 10 minutes, but I, uh, it could be 60 minutes, but I am always making space for that because that practice has truly changed my mindset, 
my strength, my life. Like I'm a different person because of meditation. So I really believe in, in the power of habit. Um, I do yoga most days and it's more, it's a form of exercise for me. I'll do restorative at night to calm down. It's just a really enjoyable practice. I almost think of it as like a hobby that I love to do. Um, and I, I really lean on journaling when I'm not feeling very well. I journaled a lot during that high stress job environment whenever, you know, I, I, I didn't feel like I, you know, I had imposter syndrome and I just felt really overwhelmed. And so I would journal affirmations every day in a notebook at work to lift myself up and pump myself up. And it, it really worked. So for me, whenever I have negative self-talk, whenever I'm feeling lost with my goals or I'm just not feeling good, I'm like, you need to journal because I know that journaling is going to help me refocus. It's like, okay, go write down 10 things you like about yourself or go say out loud five things that you're grateful for because there's so much power in just shifting that mindset. And for me, putting pen to paper and actually journaling helps me with that. So it's not something I do every day, but it's something I really lean on when I need support. Yeah. That's so helpful. Also just to clear out that for me, it's like clearing out the cobwebs, you know, if I'm feeling that what you described that sense of overwhelm and everything's spinning around in my head, I can't find clarity, putting it down on paper is a way for me to problem solve oftentimes. So I love that. Yeah, for sure. I'm wondering about your transition from a stressful job to creating your own, um, your own company, you know, I mean that (laughs) I had a similar transition where I was working in a corporate scene for over a decade and and it was feeling miserable. That daily grind was wearing on my soul. I felt like this, I, if I'm going to be working this hard, I want it to be for something that is of value and has meaning to me. And I feel like there's purpose in it. Right. So for me, it looked like a very slow crawl out of the corporate world. I transitioned to like a part-time corporate job. And then (laughs) as fate would have it, there was a riff, which is a reduction in force and they cut my team. And so I was like, oh, this might be a sign that it's time to, to try this thing full time. But I know it doesn't happen like that for everyone, right? Like some of us jump and take this leap and like leave our jobs and, and hope we'll land on our feet. What was your transition like? My transition was very purposeful, um, a little bit like yours kind of in stages, but I, I still moonlight as a digital marketer. Um, I do some freelance work that keeps my skills sharp, but also pays my bills. And I knew I needed to leave my full-time job because my work was slipping. I was, had been working on liberate for a little bit and it wasn't that I wasn't like giving my all, you know, I, I was separating the two. So I wasn't working on the two at the same time, but my mind was fully on liberate. Like I just didn't care about the other work anymore. And that was coming through with what I was doing. So I knew, I knew it was time to leave on a good note before like my quality of work kept slipping. Um, so I, you know, I lined up one freelance job, one retainer client for digital marketing consulting that I could rely on to pay my rent. Mm-hmm. And then that gave me the comfort to take the leap because I knew I wouldn't just be drowning. Um, and then from there, it was really just taking it day by day. And I never wanted to put a ton of pressure on liberate to sustain my living, which is everyone's different. Like there are so many different ways to approach this, but 
I wanted to grow liberate how she was meant to grow, not how I needed her to grow to pay my Wi-Fi bill. So I have, you know, a few different freelance clients that cover my costs so that I can cover liberate's costs and that I can do whatever is necessary to create growth there versus putting this type of pressure on her. That's like, well, if, if you don't grow, I can't eat. Like that's, I don't think that that is, you know, the best environment. And I know it's not always an option, but if I could avoid that, um, that was what I wanted to do. So that's been, you know, it's been over a year now of liberate existing and, and we've grown a lot. And I don't know if we would have, you know, done everything the same had I been in a little bit of a tough spot. So that was, that was the transition. And as soon as I did it, I knew it was right. And I haven't, not one day have I missed not working for Liberate and myself. So it was definitely the right call, but it was something I put a ton of thought into before I did it. I didn't just like, you know, call up my boss one day and call it quits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very mindful transition. That's good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I think we put so much pressure on ourselves, at least speaking for myself, there's a lot of pressure to have that passion. I want to say project, which is not really the right word, but the passion that now becomes your daily existence, your career to pay the bills. And that's so much extra pressure when you're growing your, your new business that if you can swing it like you've done and have some sort of not passive income, but something that allows you to really focus on your passion, it's a great way to go. I'm curious, um, as a fellow yoga teacher, I'm curious to hear about your journey through studying yoga, what that was like for you, what school you went to, um, how that kind of ties into all of this. Yeah, I, you know, I had always really enjoyed yoga and well, in the past few years, I wouldn't say always, always. Um, but it was something that I really wanted to do to enhance my understanding of the practice, not because I ever intended to teach yoga classes, um, but because we have that movement element in Liberate, I wanted to really understand the asanas and the practice and why different poses matter and exist and the chakras. And, you know, I just wanted to have a better understanding of the subject essentially. Um, so I did that program virtually, um, with Michelle Young over COVID and it was a really wonderful educational process for me to just really become more of an expert in the subject and just increase my knowledge. I don't know if I will ever teach a yoga class. Um, but you know, I can use everything that I've learned toward our liberate curriculum. Mm. So you did your yoga teacher training online then? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything was online during COVID. Yeah. I'm curious about that as well, as I'm thinking about offering a teacher training online, having taken one online myself over COVID and doing several others in person. I've only had one experience with that, which was actually phenomenal. Like I found it to be, there were so many things that I found more accessible online than I did in person. And I had the opportunity to compare the two platforms, but for me, what I found so amazing, and I'm not sure if you had this component to yours was the anatomy section, because I always found anatomy so hard to wrap my head around by using, we would always use these um, skeletons you know, like that, that are sitting on a pole. And it's just not a very accurate depiction of how the human body 
moves, right? Because we all have such different bony structures or like our hip socket doesn't sit in the in the same pelvic bowl as everyone's. They, they look different, they move different, they're different shapes. So we had this amazing software, it was called Anatomy 3D, that allowed you to like drill into the joints and layer on muscles, tendons, ligaments, and see how it actually moves in the body um, and like really isolate that movement and the muscles. So I found that to be amazing. Did you, I guess my question is, that was a really long-winded way to get to my question. <laughs> Did you, no, have, I agree. <laughs> did you have a particular, um, piece of the training that you really enjoyed? Like, did you have a favorite part? Mm. I agree with you that it was nice to be able to see the graphs and such of anatomy. I think I still had a hard time with that just because it's like learning a different language. It's like learning Spanish. It just was tough. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed, I enjoyed the community aspect of it. We had live office hour sessions and everyone would be able to ask questions during the focus on like yoga for business or the chakras. I, I really found the chakras so interesting and I want to like do more work with that. So that's why I keep mentioning it. Um, but I thought that, you know, that was what would be tricky about doing virtual teaching is because, you know, you make friends in yoga teacher training and you are with the same people every week or every day. And it's like this whole community. And so the live office hours and the chat functionality allowed us to still feel like there was a little bit more community and someone would ask a question. I would be like, Oh, great question, Sasha. And I'd be like, you know, into the, um, the fact that we were all working on it and trying to learn and, um, you know, it's a big commitment to become a yoga teacher. It's a pretty penny and it's a lot of time. And so to feel like you're not doing it alone, um, I thought was really nice because for the rest of it, you know, you're just going through the coursework kind of solo. So I thought those live office hours were really key. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We had something similar, which I, which I loved because it also allows you the opportunity to see your teacher in a little bit different light. Like it's a little bit more casual we tend to at least, um, I've experienced this and I know other people who I've taken trainings with have as well. We tend to put our teachers on pedestals and, and suddenly they become like this mythic creature that, you know, transcends hurt and jealousy and fear and all of these things, which is not true. We're, we're people like everyone else, regardless of whether or not we have a a yoga teacher certification and, you know, we lead teacher training. So I really appreciate like the humanizing aspect of that as well. Um, so I, I want to dive in a little bit to the concept you refer to at the beginning of, uh, the mental muscles that you practice cultivating and strengthening through your platform, Liberate Studios. And in particular, I know you're, you mentioned courage and gratitude, and you gave me a few examples of like how you would practice gratitude. I can really tangibly see that, you know, something like uh, gratitude meditation followed by gratitude journaling would really flex that mental muscle. I'm curious about courage. Um, and also I'm wondering about the, the more challenging emotions like sorrow or fear, do you deal with those or what's your approach with that? We deal with five main mindfulness muscles. It's presence, courage, gratitude, pride, and resilience. 
Um, and you know, everyone has their own mind. So like really how you interpret an exercise, if you have sorrow that you bring into something that is totally reasonable, we don't specifically speak to sorrow. We speak a lot to fear in our get courageous theme. And it also, you know, fear is often what drives anxiety. So our get courageous theme, we do a lot of content around because most of the feedback we get is that everybody feels super anxious and they want tips and tricks to not feel anxious. And a lot of that comes from removing the villain that we've made our anxiety and creating a more approachable space for us to look at our fear, befriend our fear, recognize that we can, you know, write down what it is and it's not going to jump off the page and like attack us and, and just becoming more comfortable with even allowing ourselves to have these thoughts and acknowledging that they exist is a huge step. And I think that's the step we cover really well in our curriculum. So forget courageous. We do, you know, we explore some of our fears and then when we explore them, we say, we write them down, get them out there. And then we say, okay, so if these worst case scenarios happen, what will we do? And they can happen. Sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. But if they happen, what would we actually do? And we'll add extensions to them. So if I, you know, couldn't make any more money and I was going to lose my apartment, what would I do? I would stop shopping immediately. I would go to Trader Joe's instead of Whole Foods. I would ask my landlord for an extension on my lease. I would try to sell my clothes. Like you can go through the action items and Typically that will help make the fear seem more manageable. The goal is that it helps us realize we're going to be able to handle it no matter what it is, even if we really hope it doesn't happen. And then after we do that new page in the journal, now you have to write down 10 dreams. Now you have to write down 10 of your best case scenarios. None of those worst case scenarios. What do you really want to happen? What do you really hope your wildest dreams is going to happen. Are you going to get that promotion? Are you going to meet the love of your life at the grocery store? Are you going to buy a perfect puppy? Like anything at all. Are you going to write a book? Whatever comes up, write it down. And we have such a hard time with this as a collective. It is like way easier typically to write down your fears than it is to write down your dreams. Cause we're like, Oh, I actually haven't allowed myself to ever think that I could do any of this. And so it's really tough. You know, you'll, as you're thinking of your dreams, it'll be like, yeah, I want to get promoted to director. And as you have the thought, you'll be like, I can't write that down. That's not realistic. And that's, that's so unfair. You know, we're so limiting to ourselves. And so we do exercises that address our fears and our anxieties and do a little bit of work on that, but also strengthen the muscle that counters those so that you still leave feeling lighter and empowered. You don't leave feeling like, well, now I'm just sitting with my anxiety. Like, thanks a lot. You know, we always end it on a note that's more positive and uplifting and empowering and helping everyone realize like you have the capacity to, to take care of your mind. Like you're in control of your thoughts, no one else. And so it's okay to have an anxious thought, but balance it with a positive thought and create, you know, make your mind a nicer place to be. So there's, I mean, get present is a really fun theme too, because we all have a tough time being present in general as well. And so giving different tools, like tuning into your five senses or the ancient elements to be able to ground yourself in the present is one of my favorites. Um, but they're, you know, they're muscles. So the first time 
is super tough and probably so is the second and the third. And eventually you're like, oh, I, I got this. Like I, you know, I'm strong, I'm fit. And that's nothing feels better to me than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. As you talk about dreaming, allowing yourself to dream, writing down those dreams that may seem far-fetched. I can't help but wonder about the what then. Like, okay, I wrote this dream down. I want to be director. I want to get a promotion. I want to make six figures. I want to make a million dollars. Do you ever take that one step further? Like you talked about with the worst case scenario. Okay. Then what do I do? Like there's an actionable step that makes it feel a little bit less daunting. Do you take that forward into the dreaming aspect of your journaling? Yeah, we do. We do that with goals too. So you can explore different goals that you have. And then what's what, like, what's a micro step. We focus a lot on micro steps because we never, you know, never want to walk away feeling overwhelmed and like, there's so much to do. I don't know where to start. So it's always, what's a micro step you can take in the next week. Okay. Out of all these goals down, what's the one you care about the most? What's the one you want to tackle first and try to break everything down as small as possible. So it feels like, I just have to take one step. I just have to walk around the block. I don't have to walk a mile. And it feels, you know, like action is actually possible out of it. Um, So it just depends on, you know, we have a hundred different curriculum variations. So it just depends on which class you're joining, which class you're taking on demand. And you can kind of, if it's on demand, you can pick and choose what you're in the mood for, what you need. Um, So it, you know, there's different focuses for everything. I'm curious what a micro step would be for something like that. Like if I were to say to live, my goal is to make six figures. What would a micro step be? Well, find someone in your network who makes six figures, talk to them about how they got there. And if you don't have anyone in your network, reach out to someone on LinkedIn who has a title that's like senior director, probably makes over six figures. And ask them if you can have a Zoom coffee with them, Mm. something like that. And if, you know, if that's too intimidating, then there's probably someone in, well, I don't want to say that there, you know, there may be someone in your seventh degree of separation that you could talk to just to learn a little bit more about what that looks like, ask them questions, get advice. Um, It could also be like, get a planner so you can feel more organized throughout your day and, and stop, you know, and commit to turning projects in on time. It just totally depends on, you know, everyone's personal journey. So we always give examples to help inspire, but what you write down to get to six figures could be totally different than what everybody else writes down. And there's, there's no one right way. It's just like, whatever feels like a micro step to you, it could feel like a major step to somebody to cold outreach someone on LinkedIn, like heck no, but to other people, to me, that's a micro step. So it, you know, it's just totally about a micro step could be like cleaning off your desk and creating a decluttered space to work every day. So you can be more focused, you know, um, there's, there's no one right way to do it. What's most important is just to do something. So that's what we try to inspire. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering about your background. I, I mean, we know that you went to school. We know you worked in the high tech startup scene for a little bit. We know now you're the founder, but I mean, what are like, what was childhood? Like I, I talk, as I talk to you and I look at you and I see what you're doing, what you've done. Um, you know, there's all types of people that 
you know, build something out of nothing or like go through adverse experience and it's, and then go on to like become this famous person or they go the other direction. So I'm just wondering about childhood and, and growing up a little bit, like what, who are your role models and, and what do you attribute your success today to? Oh, great question. Um, <laughs> I grew up in the countryside. I am the youngest of three girls. Um, I have an incredible family. I had a dog. I had tons of grass and trees to climb and I was constantly outside. I like never watched TV to this day. I am still the friend who knows none of the pop culture references. <laughs> it's just not my thing, but I'm really good at climbing trees. Um, I was so free spirited. I think that also comes with being the youngest child. A lot of the times by, you know, by the time the youngest kid comes out, the parents care less. So you just have more free reign. Um, and, and I was really free and active. And then in college, I started not to be, I was still, I was a collegiate athlete, so I was still super active, but I, I was in a relationship that made me anxious. I was super stressed. I had panic attacks. I like was not comfortable in my body. I didn't want to be alone. Like it was just something took a turn and my mind was just not a safe space to be in. And that really scared me because the one person you're with 24 seven is yourself. And so I didn't really feel like I had any other option, but to explore different things that could help. And I explored yoga. I explored meditation. I explored journaling and shockingly, they actually totally changed my life um, and made me and honestly brought me back to who I was as a kid of like this free spirited, happy, easy person who was just like a, a little light. My grandma would always call me breath of fresh air. And I was not a breath of fresh air for a long time, for sure. And I had to do a lot of work to get back to it, but it just honestly, like the liberate method, which I was effectively doing it without knowing it totally changed my life. So if it can help empower one other person, then like, yeah, I'm, I'm down to dedicate my life to it because it, I don't think I would be where I am today if I hadn't adopted these practices. Yeah. I love that wisdom and returning full circle to the childhood self that really knows already. There's so much wisdom in childhood. So I love that you return to that. Me too. Um, <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And um, I'm also thinking, you know, as you like now you're at this point where you've kind of married your childhood self with your adult self, you've gave birth to Liberate Studios and there must be some words of wisdom you live by or some daily habits and behaviors that help keep this attitude and this um all of these things in place for you. Is that mm -hmm. true? What are they? Yeah. Yeah. I also love that I'm married and have a child when in reality I have neither. <laughs> so that's a nice a child. Yeah. yeah, that's a nice perspective too. I like, I'm going to tell everyone I'm married with a baby. <laughs> They're going to be like, what? Um, I have a mantra I've had since probably 2017 or 18. Um, it's a little long, but it's, Every day is a gift. Life is beautiful. Our frequency is high and good things are flowing to us. And I would just repeat it over and over again. Whenever I was in a bad mood, I'd be like, every day is a gift. Life is beautiful. <laughs> and just kind of try to trick myself into remembering it. Um, and, and I do, honestly, to my core, I believe all of that. It's just 
sometimes, you know, when you're having a tough day, it's hard to remember. So that's, that's my reminder. Um, I have another one that's, you could be the ripest, juiciest peach in the world, but someone's still going to hate peaches, which you may have heard before. And, you know, just a good reminder that you can't please everybody and you're just, you're, you're peach no matter what, you know, you end up, some people aren't into it. You, you've got something good going on. Um, and really the, the most ritualistic thing I do in, in addition to meditation is every morning before I touch my phone or do anything, I have to say three things that I'm grateful for. doesn't matter what they are, but I like absolutely wouldn't touch my phone, even if there was a fire until I said three things that I was grateful for. And I've done that for a long time too. And it makes me feel really good. So those are my, those are my main things. (laughs) Those are great. I think I might try that. Um, the, the gratitude sayings. Do you do it out loud? I'm curious. Or is it just kind of like mentally? It's just mental, but I'll literally be laying in bed and I'll just think, okay, I'm grateful for my apartment. I'm grateful for, you know, the friend I saw the day before and I'm grateful for coffee or something. Like it's, (laughs) you know, it doesn't have to be anything. It could be like the sheet on your bed. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. I don't say it out loud, but I will say when I'm not in, when I'm feeling sad, I do say it out loud. So if I'm on a walk or something and I'm feeling like a little low, I'll say, I'm grateful for the trees. I'm grateful for this. I probably look a little crazy, but I, I do say it out loud because I want to really like mean it and affirm it to the universe. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's something really soothing about voice. And when you talk about mantra, um, it's that vibration, that resonance of the vagus nerve that we get stimulated, right? And that is the purpose behind. So there's so much good coming from saying things out loud, out loud, especially um, affirmation and gratitude. So yeah, I'm I'm always curious about that. I was that was always a teacher, or that was always a question to my teacher when she would give me a mantra. I was like, well, do I say it out loud? Like if I'm sitting there in meditation doing my mantra, is this out loud? Is it silently? And her, you know, it was similar, like you can do it both ways, but it has power when you say it out loud, you know, even if that feels a little bit vulnerable or that feels a little bit scary, scary, it still has power inside or outside. Um, So I want to be mindful of your time. I'm wondering, so last question, I'm wondering, you know, like if anything, what would you want someone to take away from listening to this conversation today? And it doesn't have to be one thing. It could be like, these are my top three things that I want you to take away from today. Or maybe it is just one thing. What would they, they, or what would that be? Yeah. Um, I think probably two things. One that I, I usually try to get through is there's no one right way to do things, whether that is becoming an entrepreneur or meditating or journaling. Like I never want anyone to feel like they have to do something a certain way to be successful or to do it right. Like whatever feels good to you is probably the way you should be doing it. I feel strongly about that. Um, and then honestly, something I didn't, I didn't know we'd, we'd get out of this session is that, you know, remember who your childhood self was. And if that's someone you, you really embrace, like try to, try to go back to that once a day, try to, 
be silly or dance or do something that, you know, you did or ask questions, you know, do something that you did when you were a little kid without thinking about it. It does make me feel at least much more like alive and vibrant. Um, so if it does the same for you, then, you know, connect with that more. I love that. Yes. Thank you. Oh, that's so perfect. And then lastly, where can people go to find you if they want to find out more, connect with you and your, your community? Yes, we are at Liberate Studio on Instagram and we have free meditations every Friday on our Instagram that are live and then saved in feeds. So if you ever just wanted to explore a little bit, you could always do that there. And then we are at uh, liberatestudio.com, which is where our on-demand library is, our live class schedule, all the good things. So you can always learn more there too. Great. Thank you so much, Liv. I really appreciate your time. It's been a real joy, you know, a, a fresh breath air to have you on the show. My favorite compliment. <laughs> Thank you so much. I am, I am always very honored to, to get to chat with, you know, other women in the wellness space. So thank you so much for having me. Yes. Amen to that. Yes, absolutely. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you have any feedback, comments, questions, or even requests for future podcast topics, please feel free to reach out to me on the social media handles, Facebook at Tessa Marie Tovar, Instagram, Yogi underscore Katniss, um, email address, Tessa.Tovar, that's T-O-V as in Victor, A-R at iCloud.com. I love to hear from my students and I'm always happy to talk about this kind of thing for you. If you don't listen, I don't do this. And my goal is to spread the word about what yoga means on and off the mat, in particular, spreading the word outside of the studio. Thanks for tuning in and have a lovely day. Bye.